I played the clip earlier, the clip that had me raising an eyebrow higher than Nancy Pelosi's eyebrows are raised. It was from a Pentagon briefing on Thursday, and a reporter asked a question, and if you were here earlier, you heard it, but let me replay it before we bring our guest in here. A reporter asked a question that sounded kind of like it was out of a, an outtake from the hunt from Red October. Check this out. Uh, thank you. Following up on Nancy's question, the Russians are sorting more than 100 warships. Does the Pentagon have a, any indications that perhaps a submarine may be trying to defect? No, we, we do not, Jeff. Uh, Heather from USNI. And quickly, he moves over to another reporter to change the subject. But that made me think, wait a minute, we've got all these Russian troops amassing on the border of Ukraine. And uh, we assume that the Russian Navy's involved in several places as well. And what would it be like if a Russian vessel decided to defect and get away from the madman Vladimir Putin? And so I reached out to a friend of mine, Pete Kasparowitz, who's uh, he's with the uh, the Association of the Navy, a very important but little talked about group in Washington, D.C. And they are folks who've been involved, obviously, with the military and obviously have uh, some experience in the previous administration. And I said, Pete, can you explain this? And he said, I can, but I can't do as good a job as the guy who's my boss at the Association of the Navy, Jason Beardsley. So, Jason, uh, you are on the hot seat today because Pete's either too lazy or he's being honest with me. <laughs> right, Pete's, Pete's, Pete's handing me the hot football. And uh, what a fun clip that was. It's a little DOD nerd fun, you know, throwing out reference from old you know, Hunt for Red October, Tom Clancy novels. But in reality, we've got this huge situation unfolding on the front of Ukraine. And, and meanwhile, the Russian Navy is spinning up exercises in the Baltic and the Mediterranean. And it, it's really setting our, our State Department and White House back a little bit on their heels because we don't necessarily have an answer for this. So uh, what you really see here, the real fun is the press corps uh, for the spokesman at the DOD is really signaling that some of these are just PR pressers that are they're a little bit worthless if he's willing to throw out a, a question joke. But the, the situation is actually very serious. Yeah, and the situ situation has been serious for a while when it comes to what's going on around the world, not just with the Russian Navy, but also with the Chinese Navy. And I think a lot of our potential adversaries, military adversaries like Russia and China, are keeping a very close eye on what's happening with America and what's going on on that Ukrainian border. And uh, is that fair to say, Jason, that what what ultimately happens between Russia and Ukraine will be a big deal for uh, for China and the rest of our military um, foes, if you will? 100%. And, and by the way, these connect to uh, bigger uh, topics like Afghanistan. And, you know, it's a little bit uh, trendy. If you think about it, every time we have uh, Democrats in, inside the White House, we begin to lose our diplomatic missions. It's, it's Islamabad and Tehran under Carter. Under Clinton, it's Nairobi and Kinshasa. We get to Obama, you know, we close down the embassy in Sana'a, Yemen, and then, of course, Benghazi, that was infamous. And then Biden's one for two now. We lost the Afghanistan embassy. So what we're really seeing is that when we, the United States, settles back a little bit and we don't have a way to flex our own muscles, the easiest way being the Navy, we see other countries doing that to precisely what Russia's doing on the borders of Ukraine, threatening to roll in. But it also means if we don't stop them there, and, and I'll just remind you that 
they rolled into Ukraine in the 2014, taking the Crimea right on the Baltic Sea. And then in 2008, they rolled into the Republic of Georgia, a little bit south of uh, Russia. And, and we they still took that terrain. We did nothing. So this suggests to Putin, if you're going to flex your muscle, this is the time to do it. And if he gets away with it, China's staring across the strait of Taiwan. So all these kind of connect together. We failed in Afghanistan to really withdraw with any sort of reasonable outcome. And now uh, tyrants or bullies, they're looking around going, I think we can do this. Yeah, it's a little unnerving. And I, I have to tell you, Jason Beardsley of the Association of the Navy, that's who we're talking to here, folks, uh, that 12 years ago I attended a briefing, a media briefing, from the um, Secretary of the Navy to a bunch of 30 of us from the radio industry. And we were warned that America needed to get its act together and start building our Navy up because China was the prime example. China was building uh, fast ships, really small, fast ships, and these islands that they were creating in, in the South China Sea. And we had no idea how many submarines. So that was 12 years ago. We know what China's been doing now. We're seeing those islands, those bases. But where are we in our, um, in our ships and the construction of ships? Is our Navy ready for the future? Wow, such a great question. Um, well, let me tell you what Congress has said, and, and this has been said over the last 10 years, uh, you know, probably from the, uh, the meeting you attended. But the Congress has said we should be at about 355 ships. So that's what Congress said. 355 is a number. So where do you where do you suspect we are today, you know, in, in present time, 20, 2022? We're well, sitting at just below 300. Wow. That's 55 ships off the mark. And ships are not easy to build. You don't turn a switch and, you know, we get them out the door next next week or next year. These are five-year projects. A lot of that goes back to budgeting. But I want to I paint even more sort of a serious picture because in the last 10 years since you described that meeting, we've had ships running into ships. We've had, under uh, you know, underwater submarines running into up, underwater land masses, limping back into port to get rebuilt. We've lost some of our ability to refurb those ships at sea. So we've had accident after accident, which is suggesting that our Navy senior officers, mid-level officers, juniors, and enlisted are being burnt out. They're not getting the, the, the time they need for training and such. And by the way, the senior leaders, the big shots in the Navy, the chief of naval operations, the secretaries of the Navy, they've been saying this for a while. So we're really starting to see what what the consequence is of not paying attention to the fleet. And I'll make one more a brief comment. If we are going to back off, sort of China's and Russia's, and we want to do that in anything less than a hot war. That means guys on the ground shooting at each other or, you know, God forbid, any sort of missile threats. If we want to do it easily, the easiest way to do that is to float some steel out that way in the form of the U.S. Navy fleet, haze gray and underway, flex our muscles on the sea. That's, that's mobile, it's easy, and we don't need the permanent presence that we needed in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. So I, I'd love to see us, and that's what we're doing at the association, champion the cause for America to get back to its strength. How do we do that? How do we project power the easiest way? Well, you know, take, take that middle route, the easy route, the Navy, that's the easiest way to do it, but it, it's a big pill to swallow for Congress. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but um, you and I talked before we went on the air here. It's also a lot of jobs uh, pushing for more construction of more ships and more ability to repair our fleet that's out there around the world. That creates a whole lot of jobs, and we're trying to uh, 
get manufacturing back on track in this country and right here. And as you said, uh, Jason, I'm going to steal your line. Roll some steel here in Philadelphia and let's make some ships and let's build uh, <laughs> let's build strength and not not come at people from a position of weakness or we're threatening uh, to put more financial sanctions on you. Yeah, we it's okay to do that. But it's also smart to carry that big stick that we heard about in our uh, history books when presidents said uh, walk. Not that I, was, I almost said walk tall. I almost went with a Buford Pusser line from walking tall. But, but it's uh, speak, speak softly and carry a big stick, people. And that's, that's what the Navy represents is one of the big sticks in the American military lineup. Uh, Jason Beardsley, people should go and visit Association of the Navy. Is it .com or .org? It's AUSN.org, Association United States Navy.org. AUSN.org is where you go get the information. The story of the, the dearth of shipbuilding is right there. And uh, there's all kinds of great stuff. My dad was a Navy man, rest his soul. And uh, he preached the strength of the U.S. Navy was vital. And it still remains so today. But it's only because we have people like Jason out there sounding the alarm. Thank you, my friend. I hope you'll come back and give us an update. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate it. And like you said, you're in Philly and there's other ports around this country. It's time to roll steel and and get our power back. I love that. Roll steel. I'm stealing that line from you, Jason. (laughs) You got it, brother. It's all yours.